We now go into the world of money and power, and uh, it's our wrap of the top business stories on this Thursday. And joining me to do so is uh, a chief investment officer and founder at uh, Markwe Fund Managers, and that is Markwe Masilela. Markwe, what's your name, bro? Sweet, Ah, sweet, Baba. Top Togo Zile. Sweet, sweet, Nom Katakata, Makwe. Makwe, let's start off with Imperial. Yeah. Uh, because it seems, yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, Nandi Masweet there at uh, Imperial. Um, they are not only an acquisition target themselves, but they are also going out on an acquisition and looking to target a very critical uh, SADAC player here in the freight and logistics space, and that's J&J. I think it doesn't come as a surprise. I remember Imperial, they decided to focus in Africa. And I think one of their slogans is that one Imperial, a gateway to Africa. So that's what the guys have been aiming to do. So it's not surprising to see that they're trying to get as much as they can in Africa. And in any way, we know that that will give them a line to new lines. And I guess also what's important, that line to, to, to Mozambique, to Bahia Port. So... Imperial made a strategic decision that they're going to be focused just on Africa. Mm, mm, mm. It's, uh, yeah, I guess it's uh, it's one of the interesting ones here because they are certainly a, fla- a cash flush company at this point in time. Um, and you certainly want to be in the world of freight and logistics at a time when these Africa continental free trade area agreements are being penned, okay. uh, which are going to have extensive implication for cross-border flow of uh, people, goods, and uh, all manner of other things. Definitely, you know, and the economies of scarcity do work for them. And I think it was wise for them to make that decision and get out of other areas long before we just signed this. I mean, it's almost like 18 months or so that the guys decided to focus now on Africa. And as you are rightfully saying, I mean, Africa is the last frontier. And also now with that agreement that has been signed, it just makes it just more and more attractive. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe, maybe just... I guess the the other thing about uh, these guys, what what type of goods are we talking about here? I mean, we know J and J works the Beira line, um, of course, linking Beira to you know Malawi, Botswana, Zimbabwe, Zambia, uh, the DRC. Uh, what are some of the things that I guess they have been able to ferry to uh, that particular port um, that would be synergistic or complement maybe areas that uh, you know Imperial might not be operating in? I think more or less what Imperial is operating, but the question here is, so we know Imperial, Imperial moves almost everything, you know, that needs to be moved. And remember, Africa itself as it is, you know, it's, you have more areas which are landlocked. So it works better for them because now you need to move it with those kind of tracks that the likes of Imperial and J&J are operating. So commodities, we name them, and as we expect to see a boom in commodities, if we have to, the economies have to start growing, that will also be more important to them as well. So more or less the synergies are just okay. The only thing is that the J and J guys had access to customer lines that the likes of Imperial didn't have. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, shift from this particular one and uh, certainly I guess big piece of news there uh, because we do know that uh, DP World Dubai also expressing an interest and in, uh, acquiring Imperial shares at uh, just a shy of 40% of a premium there. So uh, it does seem that uh, they certainly are in good news territory notwithstanding what we've seen. And uh, yeah, shift our attention, Mark, to the state bank. It seems it's back on the table. And uh, yeah, it might be built on the ashes of Ndata Sam Mutsanyana's old business. 
it, it just makes perfect sense, you know, and it, as we've been saying, and I think you asked me, you know, two, three weeks back that what happened to LN Bank or the Sovereign Fund, you know, mm. here it is. It shows that, yes, there's been some serious work happening in the background, and apparently the Deputy Finance Minister is the one who's been leading that. And it just makes sense that, yes, we know that he has the stake is that the likes of the, what do you call it, the Reserve Bank, they want to get out of it, and it has never been the intention to be a long-term investor. So why can't they tap into that? But the question here is, if they're going to be acquiring the percentage from the South African Reserve Bank, will the other six commercial banks continue to be a shareholder? I don't think it will work well. I think them as well, those other commercial banks, they have to leave African banks so that the government can just compete with them. Because the whole idea of having a state bank is to compete on par, you know, pound for pound with the current commercial banks. So how will you compete if those guys own a certain stake in your bank? Well, I mean, I, I think they, they, they wasn't their stake in the bank initially part of the attempts at salvaging whatever might have been left of the bank. So, it was. Um, you know, I don't think they would have any qualms about, you know, giving up that stake. I mean, we've seen the central bank uh, also putting out an expression of interest for some people who might want to invest in this. Why yep. would you do that, Makwe, to put out an expression of interest when it's clear here there's some interest from the Ministry of Finance or one of your sister institutions in the Ministry of Finance to take up that stake? I think you are right. I mean, uh, the guys have to follow due process because whatever they come, they come, the government might be offering them might not be too attractive. Mm. So you need to test the waters out there. You need transactional advisors, but chances are you've got that relationship, you know, with the government itself. Basically, you are reporting to the National Treasury. So obviously, whatever expression that you send out there the National Treasury will be viewed in a favorable manner compared to the other guys. But this is a democracy, this is a transparent economy, because people can still challenge it, because I can also put a, put an interest, and I'll need to know why didn't they prefer me, they prefer the National Treasury. So I think it's a question of following due process, but is it a natural progression for the government to buy that? Definitely it is. Mm. And yes, the other commercial banks, they might have issues Issues in the sense that they might ask for a higher price to sell their stake, whatever that they're owning. Because here you are, you know, you're creating a competition for yourself. So I'm not, I'm not just going to give it away for a song. Hmm. Yeah, but I mean, w- when you talk about that, uh, that you can't give this away for a song. I mean, a few years ago, this was worth nothing. Um, and I always come back, I guess, to the stewardship of one Basani Maluleke. Um, taking this from just being a lending operation to... A seemingly now sort of balanced uh, retail banking operation. Um, let's talk about just the progress that this particular bank has had and whether or not, Mark, where it will do what, you know, the finance minister before he became finance minister was talking about, be the state bank that banks the unbanked, is able to lend to firms that the traditional banks might not want to lend to. You see, the whole idea of trying to have a state bank is that the current commercial banks, when you go out there, especially if you're a startup, you know, especially if you're black, they ask for stuff that you don't have, you know, the kind of collaterals. So a state-owned bank is supposed to be more lenient towards that. But we still have to see whether will that happen. The reason I'm saying that, the current development of finances that are operating like commercial banks, they're asking us for the very same things, you know, that commercial banks are asking us, and they're not supposed to do that. So the whole idea is to try to help out those people who are 
able to meet the current requirements that the commercial banks are insisting on if they have to give you something. So it's not a question of trying to get the unbankable being banked. I mean, so far, there's a serious penetration when it comes to banking. Yes, that will also help. So a state-owned bank has to be run in such a way that it's more lenient, not to give away things for free, Mm. not to become another useless state-owned enterprise. It has to be profitable because now it is time around the state you are dealing with people's deposits which is very critical when it comes to banking because it's not just your money people will putting in their deposits so they mm. have to be responsible and the story about african bank remember the reason it got into trouble it was more of one line kind of a business model people were just going out there to get loans from african yes. banks they didn't have other avenues when it comes to revenue and miss maluleke did an excellent job to do what she has done so far to make sure that at least they start to be seen more of a serious bank trying to get deposits through transactions through so also their fees are not just coming from one side and we hope whoever is going to take over whether it's the national treasury or whoever they'll continue on that to build on that so that they can compete and i think so far they're not doing bad you know they've got nice products out there they're out there advertising nicely so yeah it's not an easy market but sure they should be able to get it right especially with a big brother like a national treasury if he manages to buy that stake from the South African Bank. Mark, let's clarify something. I mean, I like the point you're making that they're advertising, they're in a very strong position. I think one of the uh, uh, fixed deposit offerings is, uh, you know, offering very attractive sure. lending rates and that's that's what they often advertise. Um, which leads me to, a, to my next question. In the wholesale part, so where they raise money, so they lend to us and we deposit some of our money there and of course, they also from time to time go out to wholesale money markets to be able to to raise some of this money that they on lend and you know they make their money in the spread there um with a state bank i mean would a state bank be i guess going to the same wholesale market and if so uh, does that not constrain the ability to then on lend on more concessional terms not really because at the end of the day the bank has to be run mainly on depositors money so the state bank should also be able to attract a lot of depositors' money and then to be able to do all these transactions. And anyway, National Treasury does their space to raise money. They do weekly bond auctions for mm. different reasons. So for them to tap into that kind of a market, it should be easy for them. And who are you not to want to give money to the SA government because it's not a percentage guaranteed by us taxpayers. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, this is a tough one, Mark, because I guess, you know, uh, on the one hand, you, you're you always going to be faced with a situation um, of one, yes, being able to raise that money in, in the capital markets um, and then on lending. Uh, but this is a very competitive environment. Uh, so, you know, how do you attract the depositors? You can't really, I guess, be doing what the Afrikaners did, which is to say, today we set up the state bank. Everybody who is in the employ of government, you'll receive your salary there. Um, I, don't, I don't know if that would be possible in the now. I think, by, by, number one, they have to compete on fees. That will be key. And now you've got the other banks, you know, your time banks or discovery bank are also competing on that. And also to compete on service and also to be innovative when it comes to their products. Hence, you need people who are innovative to run it for you. And hence, we say we hope it doesn't turn out to be another 
uh, state-owned enterprise. We don't want the likes of what happened with the land bank, what is happening, you know, with these other state-owned enterprises. As you are saying, it's very, very competitive. And more importantly, it's not taxpayers' money. It's not your money as government. It's somebody else's money that they've deposited with you. Mm, mm. Hey, yeah, yeah. These these aren't by any stretch of the imagination easy conversations, uh, Mark. Let's shift our attention now to the property, uh, um, you know, retail property sector. And uh, yeah, it seems notwithstanding all of the carnage and damage we've seen at many of the malls, that uh, many of the real estate investment trusts here and some of the financiers behind these malls are still very buoyant about the uh, township retail sector and uh, saying. They're seeing much, much better returns there than what they're seeing in the suburbs. Aya, let me tell you this, and don't tell anyone. You see, if if you're involved running people's money, running a business, you as the executive director, as the executive, your responsibility is to give returns to shareholders. Mm. So all I'm trying to get to is, as much as there might be issues, but you still have to go where you'll be making good returns. And yes, there'll be some risk as long as you'll be able to mitigate against that. So my point here is, as much as we need those kind of businesses to invest, they also need us, or else they will end up with a very lazy balance sheet Mm. and they have to account to shareholders that where our returns. So yes, they are right, those developers, those landlords, those retailers, that this is one of the fast-growing markets we have to get involved, obviously, in a very responsible way. Mm. Can can they get their tenants to localize also? Just like, you know, they've had in the past these anchor... Ten- tenant agreements, these exclusive leases. I mean, can they just like add some conditionalities to the leases now to say at least get like 15% as a starting point of, of your entire product or service mix being localized in some shape or form? Because I I don't know, man. I, it's going to be so t- tough, tough to defend some of these malls when people, you know, buyers comba and say, actually, you know what? We might be buying from there every day, but um, sure. in terms of value distribution, many of our communities are getting very little. Definitely. And somebody said something that, you know, sometimes you just allocate some few shelves, you know, mm. to the locals that this is going to be the shelves where you accommodate the products that have been made by locals, you know, so that at least they get exposure. So it's very important as well. And the sooner people become or, or feel that, you know what, we're not just buying here or we're not just getting our cousins and brothers working here. We are also part of this whole value chain. I think people will definitely continue to protect those kind of malls going forward because at some point people will be saying ah but anyway they're making money out of us mm. and they're taking it somewhere so you are right it's not only just for the protection part of it it's also to make sure that they empower people in the right way yeah 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 Mark, what's this now that we hear from discovery that if ang jovi um <laughs> then it means yeah you know the premiums for life cover are going to be worse what's happening here Listen, Discovery is just another kind of business. Remember, they're involved in the medical aid, meaning in the health space. Then they've got the insurance part of things. So all I'm saying, this whole value chain of our lives, you know, they've got all that covered. Hey, but how we live and how we die, basically. Exactly. Hence, they're the ones who started giving you points that if you start living much health, Mm. they're going to gym, doing X, Y, Z. You know, you'll get discounts, you'll get points, stuff like that. And, you know, it's very 
difficult to argue with them because they're saying, listen, if you don't have vaccine, then it means you're a high risk, just like maybe someone who's smoking or who's got diabetes, stuff mm-hmm. like that. So we have to assess you and please make sure that we give you the right risk. And when it comes to insurance, it's all about the risk that, you know, this is high or low risk. Hence, they charge you whatever they need to charge you. So to some extent, they do have a point. But the consoling thing here yeah, is existing policyholders, as long as you are not taking a new policy, you are not subjected to that. So they're talking about all these other guys who want to be taking new policies. And if it's a term off then discover it themselves, they'll feel the pain because people will then go to other insurance companies. Mm, mm, mm. So so what you're suggesting, uh, Marco, is that you know, if people feel like they are so aggrieved by this, they can effectively vote with their, with exactly. their wallet. But I don't know I don't know how easy it is, Marco, to change life cover. No, you don't. Remember, this whole thing becomes on new policies. The existing life covers, sure. the existing policies are not part of that. I see. But if, if I'm a current policyholder and then I want to take a new policy, maybe the, simply way to, the simplest way to put it is only on new policies. Let's put clients aside. So an existing client taking a new policy, that applies. A totally new customer taking a new policy that applies. So I'm saying is, if we feel aggrieved, then we'll go next door and buy that policy next door. Unless if all of them start joining Discovery and say this is also part of our underwriting rules. Hmm. Yeah, ne, Makwe. Let's <laughs> leave it there, brother. It's always a pleasure catching up with you. Pleasure. Makwe Masilela, the Chief Investment Officer and Founder at Makwe Fund Managers, joining us for our wrap of the top business stories. We're going to take a brief break now. We catch up with the South African Communist Party, which celebrates 100 years over the next few days or so.